Welcome to the First Team College Football Recruiting Show with former NFL QB Matt Sims, Irish Breakdown Recruiting Analyst Ryan Roberts, and former college long snapper Joe DeLeon. You're tuned in to the First Team College Football Recruiting Show. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined alongside my two co-hosts, former NFL quarterback Matt Sims, as well as founder of the Sims Complete QB. Alongside us as well is recruiting analyst for Irish Breakdown, Ryan Roberts. So today we're moving on to another position group, talking about four more highly talented prospects, recruits in the 2023 recruiting cycles. We're talking about offensive tackles. If you missed any of the other guys that we talked about, make sure you go back and check out the other position groups. But for now, we have four very, very talented players we will be discussing. That being Caden Proctor, Samson Okalola, Charles Jagasaw, and then lastly, Monroe Freeling. Guys, getting on to Caden Proctor first, kicking us off with the very talented offensive tackle. Number two player per 247 sports at the tackle position from Southeast Polk High School in Des Moines, Iowa. Six foot seven, 330 pounds, currently committed to Iowa, coming from Iowa. And guys, this dude, and we were saying this before we started taping, simply enough to describe him put together like he's already a college senior. This guy has the build, probably the best build about of, out of any of the recruits that we're talking about today, completely filled out, and he plays like a grown man amongst boys in these games, the way that he is putting guys into the dirt. Matt, going on over to you first. It's pretty crazy watching this guy play the way that he's put together as an 18-year-old. Yeah, even you said it too. Like just the the way that we're watching this film and what we see, it's kind of hard to evaluate him because he is just like that grown a man out there playing against uh, young high school boys that are just not on the same level as him. But I mean, you know, six seven three thirty, every bit of it. And you know, I think really what I was like really excited to see too is you know. He's got like the really strong lower foundation that you want to see like every great offensive lineman have. Like he's super developed, right? He's got like the strong legs. He's got the strong base and foundation that you need. And and then like on top of that was just like the mean streak. You know, you could just see that he really enjoys just punishing every person that he goes against. And really, I want to say, I'll just finish up with this before we kick it to Ryan, but just like the hand strength is legit. Like the hand strength is is something else. Like there were so many times where he got his hands on multiple defenders and it was like that quick rip down in one sudden move. And it was unbelievable just how quickly he could get people to the ground with that move. So, you know, super impressive though. I was, I couldn't believe how talented this kid is. Yeah. I mean, he's ready to play right now, Matt, right? It's, it's like, it's so crazy, man. Seeing the snatch trap and just the physicality he plays with and the strength in his hands, man, like this, it is, it's a little bit of a cliche, right? But he is a farm boy, right? Like he's from the state of <laughs> Iowa. He's a farm boy. He's staying in the state of Iowa. He's going to be coached by some of the best offensive line developers at the next level. I know we're not talking about the University, University of Iowa yet, Joe, but it is just, he fits, man. He fits. And he's 6'7", 330 pounds. Like Matt said, he is every bit of that 330 pounds. He reminds me a little bit of you guys remember when Trey Smith came out of high school and he went. Look to at you with the comp this uh, early though. Saying, We're not even five <laughs> minutes in and you got a comp in. That's unbelievable, Ryan. I'm sorry, we were obviously just wearing on you a little bit. Now you're comping way too early. It's unbelievable, man. Um, I had it popped in so early, Matt. I'm watching yeah, this kid. It was life. natural, and I agree really with you. Was. Yeah, it really was, man. Because if you follow Trey Smith at Tennessee. 
started out inside early out in his career. Then they moved to left tackle as a sophomore. Eventually goes back to inside at um, during his junior and senior years while he was working working against obviously some issues with blood clots in his lungs. But Trey Smith was that guy, man, where early on in his career, he might just be too good to keep off the field. So you find a spot for him, right? That's how I feel about Caden Proctor. Might be a guard early on, might be a tackle. Either way, he's a dominant dominant run blocker and he's a massive human being so he's just got those strength profiles that you look for early on in your career and i think you're making a great point too where you know i think going forward he might honestly be better off as a guard as being just one of those guys that is just that big and that powerful and that interior part of the offensive line with that hand strength and i i want to see just what you guys thought too but i thought his vision as a blocker was extremely impressive too. There was multiple times where you see him doubling or even pulling around and he passes something off that he knows is being blocked or protected. Then he moves on to that next level. And I think that's something that just, you know, it, Listen, you could coach it all the time you want in drills and all that kind of stuff, but like he definitely has that just the natural field vision and awareness that you want to see from a football player. So I would totally see him being a guard and just being part of that like huge offensive line for Iowa going forward. And I think you're right too. It's a great fit for him and for his style of play and what they do. I think that's going to be uh, very conducive to his his success. Heck, I'd even argue that maybe he's one of those guys where as a true freshman. He's like a sub package guy when you're in goal line and you just bring in an extra offensive line. Dude, no doubt. Out of tight. Like, like he fits that perfectly because like it's so rare. I think out of any of the guys that we're talking about today is the most physically put together and brought along that he's able to to step in right away. He's probably yeah. not going to crack the lineup because that they've had so many talented guys come through that program. They're all well coached. They're probably going to be sticklers for who they put into that starting lineup. But heck, I, again, I think that you get him – dipped into the lineup early in terms of just getting him some snaps. I think he fits that description perfectly of a, a fully developed kid. You put him as your, your tackle over or as an extra tight end, however you want to call it. And he's just paving lanes for guys uh, in those goal line situations, in those short yardage situations. Well, Joe, what's really cool about Caden Proctor is, and Matt said it before we started, right? He is a very nuanced player for his age, right? Like he's got a pretty smooth pass that at least he understands the depth that you need to get to and the foot and the foot processing that you need to get to the top of the track, which is great. And he's been, seems like he's been well coached, but now he's going to go into a system in Iowa where, I mean, again, Kirk Ferentz and they have, they had their struggles in offense this year, but offensive line wise, I mean, when you're going back to the Robert galleries of the world, the Tristan Wirfs, the, the Brandon Scherf's like they have developed Lyman as well as any team in the country, maybe outside of Notre Dame. There's a quick Notre Dame plug. Uh, I know, right? You couldn't help it. Unbelievable. (laughs) But you're you're right, though. They clearly know what they're looking for. They know what it takes, obviously, to have a big, strong physical O-line in that Big Ten conference. And he is going to fit perfectly in that. And you make a great point, too. I mean, that was something we said, you know, before we even started the show. Just his pass set is legit. Like, it looks like a mini NFL football player. I shouldn't even say mini because we know that's not to be true. If you see his highlight film and you'll see his highlights here, I'm sure. But uh, just the pass that is legit, the awareness is legit, the ability to redirect with his eyes and his body moving at his size is super impressive. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to be pretty, pretty cool to see kind of how it pans out for him at the next level. I think uh, I think I was getting a really solid football player. And it's cool, too, that what did you say, Ryan? He's the first five star in the in the state of Iowa. 
I believe no, no, he's not the first five star in the state of yeah. Iowa, but I believe he is the highest rated player, at least by two four seven, that has okay. ever gone to Iowa, which is pretty bizarre. I mean, usually they're That's working. Crazy. I mean, let's think about it, man. Usually they're working with three star recruits, a little bit of underrated recruited guys. Yeah, that developmental to, guys, developmental yeah. need to fill out their frame, need to get right. the technique stuff down. This is a player that is ready made to come in tomorrow. And he's also going to become a part of that pipeline where they usually take guys that are here and bring them up to there. He's starting out kind of in the middle already and going to yeah. potentially bring him up. So I think that the, the ceiling is pretty high on a player like this because Iowa doesn't usually get this type of talent on the offensive line early on in their careers. Yeah, so, which is big for them to keep him too in state, exactly. which is always great for those those schools. No, that's a that's a great point, Matt. And I, I think it also opens a really good conversation that I want to wrap up his conversation uh, here with is that like, why do we think that it's hard for a program like Iowa to go and recruit these top talented players? Because very rarely, and it's kind of shocking to see when you're looking through the list of top offensive tackle recruits and to see a guy committed to an Iowa. So like, what do you guys think here? Why do you think maybe Iowa doesn't have a, a success rate with, with getting even top offensive linemen? Let's just take a look at that perspective. Well, maybe going forward, it's going to be the NIL thing, you know, of just the amount of money that teams are going to be willing to push out. And can Iowa compete with a lot of these other schools across the country that can attract big name players with just, you know, more dollars and cents? Um, you know, but I, I do, I would say this is just that like every teammate that I've ever had, right, that went to Iowa, they love the school, they're diehard Hawkeyes. You know, there, there's never been a bad report ever about their time at Iowa. It's a special place, you know, and it's even one of those things, too, where, like, you you have to enjoy it even as a fan when you're sitting at home. You're like, man, Iowa's pretty cool, and everyone that plays there, too, just knows how how intense it is playing at that stadium. So, uh, you know, it's, it's important for them to keep guys at home, and I'm excited for Caden Proctor and seeing what he can do there. I, I would say this, too, Joe. I mean, I think there's something to the fact that Iowa – has identified and developed talent as well as anyone. So they might not even be in the business of like, hey, man, we don't have to get that five-star kid. It'd be nice yeah. if we can get him. And this kid made sense because he's right in the backyard, right? He's right in the right. home state. But the Robert Galleries of the world are going to be out there. The Tristan Wirfs are going to be out there that are three-star, maybe borderline four-star players that may need a longer road. But, I mean, the other thing is, though, that on the college level – Offensive linemen usually kind of bring along a little slowly, right? Like there's usually a lot of redshirt freshmen that hop in there, sophomores that start for the first time. Like it's not usually a true freshman comes yeah, in. Natural growing pains, you know, just of competing exactly. against guys that are that are grown men in the trenches, you know. And yes. when we get to some of these other guys too, like that's why we mentioned them maybe being two-way players going forward. But, you know, it's just – Defensive line is so athletic, you know, at at the next level and even more athletic in the NFL. You see all these guys, right, just like with the Denver Broncos the other day and Matt Ryan and how how much he was abused in the pocket by those great pass rushers, right? So it's just like there's so many good athletes on the defensive line, and that's why guys like Caden Proctor are difference makers, you know, for your program if you can get them, and that's what's going to be, you know, exciting to see him match up with some of those other guys that have speed and power. Yeah, and Proctor, big, big win for Iowa that they're able to keep a guy like that at home, that they don't have to watch him go on to play at like a Michigan or an Ohio State. They get yeah. to retain that quality of talent, and he's probably going to have less competition to get on the field early than if he went somewhere else. Maybe that was what factored into the decision here, but he is going to be super, super fun to see his development, knowing the situation, all the stuff that we just talked about.
The number two guy that we're talking about today is the third-ranked offensive tackle per 247 Sports. That is Samson Okunlola, Thayer Academy in Brockton, Mass., Six foot five, 305 pounds, currently uncommitted. He's projected to go to Miami. Yeah, what does that mean, projected to go to – come on, Joe. You know what? Let's, let's, let's go to <laughs> – Ryan is the recruiting analyst, so let's – Ryan, can you explain that yeah, to us? Yeah, explain for projected, us I guess. out here that yeah. aren't – Especially me, yeah. <laughs> some of these big time sites, man, like on three and two four seven, get these crystal balls, Matt. And every time they get one right, the earlier they get it right, they get yeah. nice points to their name. Is in their these predictive people, right? So that's that's where these crystal balls come from. You so know, it's all about just building their resume. They're, oh, 100%, just, okay, 100%. all right, all right. When you when you look at the, some of the prominent, <laughs> no more projections then. No yeah, more. Exactly. No more. Yeah. No more comps. No more projections. Yeah. <laughs> no more clickbait, man. That's all. It yeah. is, Honestly, it is. Yeah, right, right. I mean, they, they basically are like you'll look at a recruiting analyst background and it'll say like 98 percent yeah. success rate on predictions or something like that. You okay. know what I mean? Like they're yeah. keeping that those stats, man. They keep stats for everything. It's like baseball, right? That's now. good. I'm That's glad really that I actually don't pay attention enough to look at that and <laughs> yes. know that. So I'm gonna, I'm going to keep staying naive to that situation. <laughs> I, I don't know if Ryan doesn't want to give give out this this information, but I, I also those projections <laughs> usually mean the kid told them and they're not allowed to publicly state it. Yet. Joe, you, Joe, what? Joe, there are players and I'm not going to say names. Okay. There is a, there's one player specifically that has yes. silently committed to a program and he has yes. plans to commit in a couple weeks. All these people find out about it and then they put their projections in. I'm like, huh, I wonder where he's going now that it's been announced that he's announcing his decision. Why are we taking the moment from kids? I just don't understand, man. But yeah. That's yeah. another different co- podcast right. for another different day. That is- we, we probably <laughs> yeah, talk about it right. for, for 40 minutes. But yeah. Lola, um, you know, the projection is we're discussing on the show because he's got a lot of offers and he's very highly sought after. There are a lot of teams that are interested in Lola. He's also known as the Pancake Honcho, which is a fantastic uh, name for a, a nickname for an offensive lineman, and he plays like it. One interesting tidbit on him, he is the first ever five-star recruit from Massachusetts, and I, having played college in New England, I played with a lot of Massachusetts football players, and seeing that there's a five-star guy is very, very rare, knowing the background of recruiting and high school football in that state. Okunlola, very thin, not very thin, but a much thinner frame, it feels like, than some of these other guys, which is weird to say that he's six foot five and 305 pounds. That to me shows that it's a guy that's in really good shape, that's really well put together. He's not just carrying around a bunch of fat like sometimes these, these recruits are, are coming around with and they need to get in shape. Okunlola looks like he's in shape. And just like we were talking about with Proctor, he is definitely playing as a man amongst boys at a very lower level with Massachusetts but he really plays up to his potential dominating those dudes. And he lives up to that, that pancake hunch, honcho nickname that he gave himself. <laughs> oh, he really does, man. If you want any, cause he's a freak. I mean, let's be honest about it. Right. Yeah, right. Six, five, three Oh five. Like you mentioned it, Joe, really clean frame, right? Like it, it is crazy that he has 300 plus pounds on that frame potentially. Right. But then you go to his Twitter and you watch him, and he the first video he has posted there is him on his knees, and he jumps from his yep. knees into a vertical set. I'm just like, dude, what are we doing right now? Like that's like the <laughs> right. Tristan Wirfs jumping out of the pool stuff, right? Like it doesn't make any logical sense. And that's how this kid plays, man. Like it, there is no doubt 
even he doesn't even put his the circle around his highlight tape most of the time, right? Because you're just like you know who he is. He's <laughs> right, the guy that's right. Yeah, the man amongst boys. He's driving dudes thirty. Oh yeah, where is he? Oh yeah, the guy that's pancaking him. Yeah, yes, right. exactly. Yeah. Oh, he's, oh, he's never in the rest of the line. Yeah, yeah. he's number seventy eight. That's or uh, number whatever number he is putting the dude in the dirt. I think he's like fit, sixty. What's he sixty five or something? I don't know. It's tough to see what number he was with those ugly uh, orange uniforms, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because he's balling them. And I mean, you said it right, Joe. It's just. Great shape, great size, right? Great frame. You know, the quickness is absolutely there. And I think really, you know, and I mentioned this earlier, just kind of like a tidbit for it, but like Samson is the one that I see that, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he actually does end up on the defensive side of the football. You know, I said it to you guys earlier before we started the cast. And I know Ryan, like, I know you're rolling your eyes there, but it's just like his get off is legit at D tackle. It really is. He's got good speed. He's got the arm length. He has the physicality. You know, he is finishing tackles like and running through people. And I was just super impressed with just anytime you're playing two ways, and you're that explosive on both sides of the football when you know that you're playing like 80 plus snaps, you know, in a high school football game. That that's where it's just like, wow, okay, this guy is super athletic, you know. Um, long arms, good leg drive, you know, the blocking is space. You know, one of the biggest things that I look for early on here with like my young experience of of this recruiting show, right? Especially for O Lyman, was you know, how good are they at the screen game and blocking smaller guys? that are 10 yards away from them. You know, this guy eats up that space so quickly and is able to get hands on the defender so easily. You know, that's where I'm like, okay, this guy is a good player. He can locate somebody on the second and the third level in the screen and finish the play. You know, even though his boy's getting tackled five yards behind him, he's doing his job, you know, but um, really, really good pad level too, which I thought was super impressive for such a guy uh, this tall and this long. Matt, yeah. I made the same exact note that you did. It was actually the first thing that I wrote down. Not that I think he's going to get moved over, but now that you say it and the more that I think about it, I think it's very possible that he could be playing on the defensive side of the ball. It's a good problem to have. I mean, I don't right. say this like Great being athlete. rude to him. I was like, you yeah. know, listen, if he goes to his projected Miami, you know, it's like, listen, Miami will have a, a good deliberation on just like, all right, hey, he's made plays defense. He's made plays on offense. What do we do with him, you know? Yeah, yeah. And Oakland Lola, though, to your point about him playing defense, there is like a noticeable get off. The length really flashes, and I know he's going up against five foot six offensive linemen. But like, I was really impressed. I like, <laughs> I almost was more impressed watching him as a as a D lineman than I was watching him as an offensive lineman. But that doesn't say he's not a good offensive line recruit. He is a fantastic recruit totally. at both positions, and it's it's kind of interesting. And Ryan, I know that you probably have a take on this. It's kind of interesting that he hasn't been considered to be an athlete and he's just straight up being considered to be an offensive tackle. Maybe that's a decision on his part saying, I'm an offensive tackle. I don't want to be considered to be a defensive tackle. But it's just, I find that very, not odd, but intriguing that he's being pegged as primarily an offensive tackle. Well, I think, Joe, I mean, a lot of a lot of times there's going to be teams, to Matt's point, that reach out and say like, hey, we're not sure which side of the ball we'd like you better at, but regardless we like you right like we love yeah. you that's that's what we want and i'm sure that there's been some schools that initially reached out and said like we see you as a defensive lineman i'm sure there's uh, most have said offensive lineman i think the reason that offensive line is the spot for him on the next level though is because it is just hard finding good offensive linemen it seems man like, right. there's just such a big need 
up front offensively. So when you have a kid that is 6'5", with I think he reported an 83 or 84-inch wingspan, with that type of athleticism, and he enjoys playing offensive line. I mean, you don't call yourself the pancake honcho if you don't (laughs) enjoy playing offensive line. When you put all those things together, it's like it's a pretty natural fit. And I think, again, seeing him as the first five-star in 247 history out of the state of Massachusetts, Joe, it's really cool because actually – because you were right. Historically, Massachusetts has not been a great breeding get round of talents. But this year, you have one kid, Preston Zinter, that's going to Notre Dame. You have Bubakar Traore in the state of Massachusetts is also going to Notre Dame. Zach Zinter, Preston Zinter's older brother, is the starting offensive guard at Michigan, an All-American guard. And then next year, they have a couple guys in the state of Massachusetts. Gerby Lambert is one guy that we'll probably be talking about next year, offensive tackle, who's already like – six, seven, 300 pounds as a junior in high school, right? So Massachusetts, man, quietly starting to turn out a little more talent than usual. Let's go, cool. Joe. Come on, man. You got to be excited about that. Well, I went to school in Rhode Island. I I mean, Massachusetts <laughs> is, is meaningless to me. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, it is interesting because like I even played with a guy who, uh, Kyle Murphy, who was an offensive lineman from Massachusetts, I played with him at the University of Rhode Island, and, and he had a, a stint with the Giants for a very brief period of time, almost got drafted. COVID kind of hindered that possibility for him. Having like spoken to him and knowing his background, like he was a tight end move to offensive line. It's really hard to get recruited as a guy coming from Massachusetts. It's hard to get the recognition because of the quality of play that you're going up against and not the knock on all the little small kids that are playing high school football in, in Michigan. But it's it's kind of like a deterrent when you're trying to evaluate these guys because it's hard to make that correlation. So before yeah. we wrap on Oakland Lola, like I think it's a it's a conversation worth having for those that don't understand it. How do you properly project a prospect when he's going up against guys that maybe wouldn't even really crack a Division three lineup uh, in most circumstances? Like I totally get what you're saying. I know where you're coming from with this, but at the same time too, it's like you can't coach or teach. Six five, three hundred and five pounds. You know, yeah. no matter how bad the talent is, it's like size is important at that next level. You can't teach it. It's important. You got to be strong. You got to be physical, and you can see all those attributes that he has, and just like the quickness and athleticism. And I think Ryan, like you made a great point too. Like you're right. Like he absolutely. It would be easy for us as a coaching staff to be like, hey man, let's just put him at D tackle and let's let him just run by a few of these like you know guards that aren't as athletic as he is. But at the same time, too, you know, if you're the offensive line coach, you're like, well, I would love to have a guy like this that can match up and potentially dominate that, you know, more athletic side of the football, you know, with how good some of these D tackles are. So, you know, I think you're absolutely right. Like Samson is definitely a steal for that side of the football. Just wouldn't be shocked if, you know, we see that switch one day as well. Joe, and I would say this, I mean. My roots in the NFL draft, as you know, we do a podcast together, right? And this is the same question that someone would ask, like, how do you know a small schooler from the FCS Division II level are going to translate to the NFL level? At the end of the day, like Matt said, traits translate, right? And if you are a dominant player on your level and you have the traits, I mentioned 83, 84-inch wingspan, 6'5", 305, athleticism. That's how I think it'll, it'll work out. There are some players, there's no doubt, that are physically developed, but maybe lack foot quickness, but they're just big molly dudes and they can put some smaller dudes in the dirt on the high school level. But I think when you look at a Samson Oklahoma specifically, 
my guy can move, right? He's flexible. He has good foot quickness, and he's as big as he is. So when you put all those things together, it's a nuanced conversation, and I love this conversation. But I think at the end of the day, seeing all those traits mm. together gives me confidence that even at a smaller level of competition in Massachusetts, he's going to be a baller at the next level. For sure. Our third guy that we're moving on to now, Charles Jagasaw, the number five offensive tackle per 247 Sports, Allman High School, Rock Island, Illinois, 66308, currently committed to Notre Dame. Shocking that we've managed to have a Notre Dame. Not, not, it's not the I, first not, one. It's the no, first no, 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 no. It's, one. It's not a knock on you. I'm saying in general, it's shocking that we have a Notre Dame recruit that's one of the top in the country that we're discussing on the show because they get so many really good offensive lineman recruits. Now, the thing with Jagasaw that's really fun, it was pointed out to me that he was undefeated in wrestling over the last two years. He also, has a background playing soccer and basketball, so he might be the most well-rounded athlete of the group that we've talked about today. And when I watched his hand, his film, the hands really shine to me, the explosiveness in his hands. But I also got to point out how fun it was to see that he took the time to put into his highlights all the blocked kicks that he had. That, yes. that points out and shows the length that he has, but the fact that he's blocking kicks, I don't know what it is. It just made me excited. It was fun to watch. <laughs> I think more guys need to put those plays in there if, if they've got them. I don't know many offensive linemen who are doing that, but it's really fun to see. Matt, let's go to you first on Jagasaw because I know Ryan definitely has a lot on him having covered him as a Notre Dame recruiting analyst. What shined to you when you were watching him? Yeah, we'll get to the Notre Dame stuff here in a second. But just, again, two-way player, right? So he's playing a lot of snaps. He's on the field a lot on defense, on offense. So impressed again by just like how athletic he is, how good of shape he is as a big football player. You know, the pad level for 6'6". Again, just like we talked about with Samson. Pretty ridiculous the fact that he can get that low to the ground, lower his pad level, and still move as athletically as he does. You know, well-built, bends well. Um, you know, and really just, you know, you said it too, and I saw it immediately too, like the, the second or third snap, you could just see how good his punch is, how good he is with striking with his hands, you know, and you could see that it's like a powerful, you know, just snatch at the defender where you could see this guy has like a little, you know, quick twitch to him, you know, and I think for him just, you know, he's athletic and there's a lot of room for growth. And I know with Harry, Heastan and his ability to coach offensive linemen at Notre Dame, uh, he was the offensive line coach actually for me at Tennessee when I was there. And he did a great job of like, you know, grooming a lot of, unfortunately for me, uh, freshman offensive linemen uh, in the SEC. But uh, the dude knows what he's doing and he knows how to groom young football players. And he is going to be one of these guys that fits perfectly into that program. Yeah, no, it's it's a perfect fit. You know, it really is. Because like you said, Matt, the thing about Charles Jagasaw is he is probably the most raw technically of all four guys yeah. that we've watched today, right? Yeah. Like his pass sets are he's he's more I of would a, say Samson has a, a little bit of work to do with his pass sets as well, you know, compared yeah. to Caden Proctor. So yes. I would say that Jagasaw and and Samson Okanlolo uh, both have a little bit of an issue with just like natural pass setting, but that also too could be the talent that they're playing against too, that there's no one yeah. that has a get off that actually like stresses that either challenges them. Yeah. That's a yeah. good point. It's a good point. But the thing that gets you excited about Charles Jagasaw, Joe, the, from the top, right? You mentioned six, six, three Oh eight. He, I mean, the, the junior film, I was told that he was only 280 pounds cause he's a wrestler, right? So it'd be a yeah. heavyweight wrestler. You gotta be 285 or less. So he was only 280 pounds as a junior. I'm not sure if he has, cause I believe that he is, I believe that he is, enrolling early at Notre Dame. So I don't know if he has plans to wrestle his senior year. So I think his weight may be up for his senior campaign, 
But the first thing is, man, he's got a really clean frame. And that wrestling background, I mean, there's a reason that the University of Iowa historically has made wrestling a prerequisite to play offensive line at that level, right? They want guys that have quick feet, quick hands, and understand leverage. And I think he understands all of those things. Now, there's a lot of work that needs to go from a hand placement perspective, but the thing I love is that his hands are incredibly quick. He's got really quick hands, can reset, pass set needs work as far as just getting comfortable in it. But I see a really good athlete. I see strong hands. I see everything that you want in an offensive tackle. And he's got a killer instinct to him too. And you can see on defense, I mean, my man is hustling, man. Like he plays with a great effort and a great motor. When Coach Eastan gets him, because Matt mentioned him already, right? I mean, he has been the the pioneer of Notre of offensive line you at Notre Dame, right? Like he's done it. You talk about the guys of the Zach Martin, Nick Martin, Ronnie Stanley, Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey. Like the list is long, and that's that's because of Coach Eastan. That's because of his tutelage. Getting a player a little raw like Charles Jagasaw, but with the tools that he has, kids got an enormous upside on the next level. Now, one thing I want to bring up before we move on to to Monroe Freeling, an interesting perspective for Notre Dame is that they have a really long list of highly rated recruits that come in each year. Like you look at the recruiting rankings for offensive linemen every single recruiting cycle, there's like three or four kids sometimes that are committed to go to Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Now, from like your perspective, Ryan, having seen a you know recruiting class already there from the last group and just the, your knowledge of Notre Dame as a program, how much does that maybe hold back a guy like Jagasaw? Not hold back, but like how long of a time does it usually take for a guy like Jagasaw to get onto the field because of Notre Dame's history of having so many guys and there being some really stiff competition to start along this offensive line for the Fighting Irish? Look, it is not been a it's been a very rare occurrence for freshmen to start at Notre Dame on the offensive line. The last two that have done it was Robert Hainsey, who now plays with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Blake Fisher did it last year, his first ever start. He was actually the first player since Ryan Harris to start his first game as a true freshman at offensive tackle at Notre Dame. So it does not happen too long too often at Notre Dame that it happens, Joe. I'll say this though. The trajectory for early playing time as a freshman probably isn't great, but pretty early on in Charles Jagasaw's career, I think he's going to have an opportunity to play a lot of football because you look at it right now, Notre Dame has two super sophomores playing offensive tackle who are both going to be high draft picks. Joe Ald at left tackle, Blake Fisher at right tackle. There's no guarantee that they're here past 2023. There is no guarantee. So as a redshirt freshman or a sophomore, he may have an opportunity to take over one of the tackle spots. But I will say this also, after this season, they are losing both their starting guards in Josh Lugg and Jared Patterson to the NFL. So there's going to be spots at offensive guard, and there's no clear answers inside for Notre Dame in 2023. So he's a kid. And we've seen Alabama do this especially. Think about like Evan Neal sliding into guard and then eventually right tackle to left tackle, kind of working out inside at first and then moving outside. I would not be shocked if Charles Jagasaw earns a, a decent amount of reps as a true freshman at Notre Dame playing inside a guard with the ultimate understanding that like, hey, long term, he's going to be a tackle for us, but he might just be with the size and the strength profile he has. He may be too good to keep off the field as a freshman, but we'll see. It's going to be a tough climb, but I don't think it's out of the, out of the realm of possibility with a kid this talented. And I feel like with a school like with Notre Dame, the fact that they do coach that position so well, you know, the added advantage is, is that there's five of them that play. So you're right. There's going to be a lot of landing spots for him to actually get meaningful reps. 
you know, whether he's in the one or the two deep. And, you know, the turnover is just, it's for real. And you can't predict that, you know, someone just balls out a little bit earlier than projected. And then all of a sudden it is that, you know, hey, do I go to the NFL or do I stay another year? You know, and when you have those opportunities, it's going to be tough to say no. So it's just one of those things where, like, for Notre Dame, you just can't have enough good offensive linemen, especially with the competition that you're playing in, you know, and the fact that you are playing for, you know, trying to play for a BCS championship. You just, yep. you have to have depth at that position because, you know, we've seen it too many times too in the NFL and in college, how one or two injuries is just the complete just deterioration of a really good football team. We see it in the NFL level, you know, so it's got to be one of those things where just got to just load up as much as you can. And, you know, great job by them just loading up on a really good football player in Jagasaw. I'll say this too, Joe, 2017, Notre Dame won the Joe Moore Award given to the best offensive lineman in college, uh, yes. best offensive line unit in college football. And Robert Hainsey came in there as a true freshman from IMG Academy and he was so, he was too good to keep off the field, and he didn't earn the full starting spot. But they rotated him and Tommy Kramer at right tackle, who was a year ahead of him. So, even if it's not a full time starter, I do believe that Charles Jagasa will get every opportunity to earn playing time as a freshman. All right. Yeah, really good hands that Jagasaw is being placed in at Notre Dame as we know that their development for offensive linemen has been fantastic. Another player that we're going to have a lot of fun watching his progress. I know will I will as a Notre Dame fan. Our last player, Monroe Freeling, the number nine offensive tackle per 247 Sports, Oceanside Collegiate Academy, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, six foot seven, 283 pounds. He is currently committed to the University of Georgia, and we've seen the level of dominance that they've also had with some of their offensive linemen in recent years. Now, Freeling he is noted as a very talented basketball player for his high school, which is Always exciting to know that a offensive lineman has some hops and he can play really well down in the post. I think that's a nice added uh, boost to their athleticism. But Freeling, guys, the lightest of the group, but the length definitely, definitely is is there. and might be the longest athlete I've, out of any of the guys that we're talking about today. Ryan, what are your thoughts on, on Freeling? Yeah, you mentioned the basketball background. I'm glad we started with that, Joe. He actually had a video that came out this summer of him at a camp where he had a 30-inch vertical. So, like, this kid's a legit athlete, man. At that age, that size, and he's the lightest right now, but he has a frame where I see it's like he's got he's got nice shoulders, broad shoulders. He's going to put on a substantial amount of weight, man. He's going to be 310, 315 before you even blink your eye. And it's not. I don't think it's going to cost him any athleticism and I'm glad that Matt agreed with me before we started the show because Freeling, for me, is the highest upside player on this list. He is just a silly, silly athlete for the position. Like the, a couple of the guys that we've talked about, could they be right tackles? Could they be guards? There's going to be a conversation piece of what the best landing spot is for him. This kid, Monroe Freeling, is by far a blindside protector at the next level. Like He's a left tackle long-term because he is just such a good quality athlete, Great foot quickness, good flexibility, gets up to the second level with ease, works in space with ease. This is a special athlete on the mm. offensive line. And another two-way player again, which I just love. I just love, again, this, you know, anytime that I'm evaluating, if you have that ability to play both sides of the football, you know, for the conditioning aspect of it, for just the fact of just being a natural football player, right? Because if you're 
a defensive end or a D tackle, it just makes you that much more aware of, of what you're trying to accomplish on the opposite side of the football, you know, because you know what their mentality is, you know, so that is always important to me. Right. But you're right. The frame is great. The athleticism is, is ridiculous. Right. You know, as soon as you watch it, the film, I was just like, man, this dude moves extremely well for his size. And it's like kind of scary how quick his feet are in the ground and how quickly he can move through that second and third level, especially like I mentioned earlier on those screens when there is just tons of space. I mean, you know, Samson did it really well. Monroe Freeling does it to a whole nother level, honestly, with just how quickly he can get up on defenders and move to that second level. And he definitely has a little bit of a mean shriek, which I always love. Mm. You know, my one issue is, is just his lack of lower body size, right? Mm -hmm. I think he's a little thin in his legs. And I think about that translating into the SEC at Georgia with just some of the guys that, you know, who play D tackle, but can rush on the outside as well, being a little bit of an issue for him. So I think he's going to be a player that, you know, athletically, he is definitely going to be out there pretty soon. I really do. But I think for him to be a dominant football player, like I think he can be, it's going to be dependent on just like kind of how strong he can get in that lower half going into that next level that equals his foot speed and his quick hand quickness. Cause that's just like my one concern with him. Like the, the lateral movements legit. It really is when he pulls and he moves when he's doubling and then going to the second level, it is, it's really impressive. Like I was super excited to watch it, but then I just kind of kept going back to that same thing of just, man, like he's just a little thin lower half wise. That makes me just a hair nervous to say that he's going to be like your blind side left tackle for four years in a row at Georgia. And he's somebody who I'm sure they're going to get right in the weight room and totally some extra, some extra protein shakes and some extra protein bars uh, early on. No, <laughs> no I, I agree with that. And I think as we start to, move further down the the tackle rankings you do get some guys with some lighter frames and it makes sense he's 283 pounds so he's probably got like another 40 possible pounds that he can add with that six foot seven frame totally which is, which is like exciting to see is to know that yeah. he might be lighter but at the same time he can add a ton of weight and even more power than he already has now the one thing big thing for me and you guys touched on a lot of key nuanced things that he does really, really well. I think from just a broad perspective, I thought he was very, very impressive as a run blocker. Like I thought maybe out yeah. of the, all the group of guys we talked about today, he has so many good run blocking clips in his highlights that he put in there. And he's just coming downhill on every single guy that he goes up against. He's one of those guys, like some of these others that is a true finisher. He's trying to put guys into the dirt. He's going totally through the echo yeah. of the whistle. He does not stop. And that's what's probably going to get him onto the field early at a place like Georgia because of their commitment to running the football. And we've seen maybe some struggles in some of these games so far this year that they haven't been able to run the ball as effectively as maybe they want to. And I think maybe once you build out that, that weight and you put a little more weight in his ass, he could be a really, really good road grader for this Georgia offensive line. And well, really, you know, it's the one-on-ones. I'm sorry to cut you off, Ryan, but just like with, with these four guys, I expect like the head-up matchups for all four of these guys to win almost all of them, right? They wouldn't be in that ranking if it wasn't. It's the times where it's like he is, you know, has an inside technique and he doubles down with his guard and then he pushes off to him 
pushes the guy over to his guard and then moves up to that linebacker. That's the stuff where I'm just like, okay, this is a next level type of football player, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, that's something I think just going forward, like when you see that stuff, you're like, okay, this is a kid that can play at that next level because that linebacker in the sec is going to move in a whole lot faster than it is in high school. And the fact that he has that foot speed to match that type of, you know, skill set going forward is extremely important. My bad again, Ryan. Go ahead, man. Let me hear what <laughs> no, you're say. good, man. I, yeah. I was just gonna, I was just gonna reiterate something that Joe said, right? Like, I think the core strength for a guy that needs to add weight is pretty impressive, man. Like, he's got yeah. a little bit of pop in his lower and upper half. Like, he's got some core strength to him, which is for really sure. cool. Yeah. And I, I just want to dispel a misnomer for a second, right? Because Joe, I love that you mentioned that because I remember when Notre Dame was recruiting Monroe Free. Like, a lot of fans. We're saying like, oh, he's a blindside protector. And then their immediate response is, oh, he's finesse. And I'm like, nope, that's not how that always works, man. He yeah. is not a finesse football player. Monroe Freeling is a finisher. He might look like a big tight end right now. He might move like a big tight end right now. But my guy has a mean streak to him. So just want to dispel that misnomer that left tackles are just <laughs> finesse, man. They can be That's just too. fan talk, though, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. So you just like... Oh, yeah. Listen, uh, I'm just telling you right now, stop looking at the comments on Twitter, man. Just let it go. All right, let it go. You'll get so much more sleep, you know, from that stuff. But yeah, he was he was an exciting football player. It was really he definitely had the biggest wow factor, you know, out of a lot of the film where just like, oh my God, like this guy is moving out there and he is playing hard as hell. Um, but it was it was pretty cool, man. I was really I enjoyed all four of these players. I really did. I'm so glad that we got to the offensive line. It's a really good offensive tackle class in the 2023 class. So like we should, we could have mentioned maybe four or five other guys in this. And I know you wanted breakdown. to. I know you. I, I mean, to. I I did, Joe. I mean, we'll, we'll really get to him again. Time. You know, a second <laughs> time around. You know, it's a long year, man. So let's <laughs> let's just keep going. Uh, I think that's a great note to wrap us up on. We've got interior guys. We're moving on to guard, and then we're going to do centers. So make let's sure go around for that. We've got more big boys to discuss. We'll get to some defensive big boys as well. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Sims Complete QB, at Rise and Draft, at Joe DeLeon, uh, Hack City on YouTube, and then subscribe wherever you can find us uh, for any audio platform that you might want to tune into the show. We will be back next week. Stay tuned for Guards.